Hello, my name is Amy Toy, the host of Angel Answers with Amy Toy. Besides being a radio show host, I'm also an intuitive counselor who provides spiritual insight into matters of the heart. Are you confused about your love life? Thinking of getting a new job? Wondering about your purpose and why you are here? I work very closely with not only the angelic realm, but also those who have crossed over to the other side. All sessions are strictly confidential. I also offer long-distance healing sessions using angelic energy. This angelic energy, also known as Integrated Energy Therapy, IET, can be done through Skype or on the phone and helps you get the issues out of the tissues. For first-time clients only, I am offering a 20% discount. You can find me online on amytoyamytoy.com, Twitter, Facebook, LinkedIn, or email me at angelicamy35 at gmail.com or simply call 727-514-7323. May the angels carry you through, and this is for entertainment purposes only. Welcome to Angel Answers with Amy Toy. I am your host. Tonight we have a very enlightening guest. Her name is Carolyn Hauser-Carson. She's German-trained naturopathic doctor, humanistic psychotherapist, and family constellation facilitator. And she's also the author of the book, Blossom, Seven Steps to Sexual Healing, and her upcoming book is The Pleasure IQ, an internationally recognized speaker and teacher on the subjects of spirituality, healing, and women's empowerment. For almost two decades, Carolyn combines her knowledge to help women and brave men to have abundant, love-filled lives that flow with a sense of ease. Her work is based on the intersection of where the human body and experience meets past and even ancestral trauma and shows how each individual's authentic and true self is the source of one's own good, a piece of unlimited abundance, creativity, courage, and joyful existence. Carolyn currently lives with her divine partner and soulmate, Paul, with their two beautiful children in sunny Santa Barbara, California, from where she teaches, speaks, and travels to host healing retreats all over the world. Carolyn Hauser-Carson, welcome to the show. How are you today? I'm good. Thanks for having me. Oh, thank you for coming on. I really appreciate it. This book is so well needed after the Me Too movement. We have to move past it, though, and um, I think your book really covers that. So, Carolyn, what inspired you to write this book? That's a good question. You know, I, I wasn't, I obviously wasn't one of those things where you uh, just know what you want to be when you grow up, right? <laughs> I didn't walk around as a child thinking, oh, I'm going to be a sexual trauma healer once I grow up. Um, I actually didn't remember my sexual, um, my childhood sexual abuse until um, till I was 30, which was a while ago now. But, um, my my journey really, or my, my healing journey really started with um, beating anorexia and bulimia. I was really sick from when I was 10 years old till till, tw- till I was in my early 20s. So for over 10 years, I was suffering from eating disorders and just could never figure out really why and um, tried all kinds of things and nothing really helped until one day my mom introduced me to family constellations and I received a session and within six months was able to just kind of like magically shake, you know, these conditions. And uh, that kind of set me off into exploring healing and learning about healing and realizing, well, maybe, you know, that's something I could do since, you know, uh, I had a a story of victory to share, so to speak. And so I spent my 20s learning about alternative healing methods and became a naturopathic doctor and humanistic psychotherapist. 
and um, fell in love with an American. I, I'm, I'm from Germany. I was born in Germany and did all my training there. And um, had, had my first child, and everything seemed to be going pretty good at that point until my daughter turned three, and with her turning three, um, my memories of my early childhood sexual abuse were triggered, and with mm-hmm. that, a lot of th- things also started making sense because I finally kind of knew why, you know, why I had the eating disorders and so forth. And uh, at that point, you know, having already gone through so much training, or having already started helping people, I felt very much like um, it wasn't just about me healing um, from the sexual abuse, but really taking people with me and doing it in a very transparent and collaborative way. So I had, a, I had like 250 people who were following me at that point and um, several people who then went through the journey with me and I collected you know, data from them and got feedback from them and then basically compiled it all into the book. And so that was uh, seven years ago now, six and a half years ago now. Yeah, so that's how the book, you know, that's how the book came about. And obviously, um, I've evolved since then. But um, yeah, that's how that all started. That's great. That we you can use your own personal experiences or experiences to help others. That's um, that's why I think a lot of us healers are here on this earth now. You know, we've been through hell, and now we're teaching people how to get through hell and back. So that's very important. Yeah, very important. Uh, why is the Me Too movement just the beginning, in your opinion? Um, you know, because first of all, what I've learned is that, and 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 this is a part of universal truth is that there's different energy levels and different vibrational levels, and they are connected to our emotional state. And so, I just want to say, Me Too movement, Me Too movement is a good sign because it basically tells us that people are starting to get out of the state of shame and guilt, which are very low vibrational, very low frequency states. And when people are stuck there, they don't even dare to say anything. It's a, it's a good sign that we're getting out of a lower state into a little bit of a higher. Anger is a little bit higher than shame and guilt. But in order to feel really good, you know, we want to be at peace and love and joy. And there's still uh, ways to go from voicing your truth and getting into your anger and getting stuff out to really feeling uh, you're living your purpose and living at peace. Mm-hmm. And so it's a good first step. But for in order for us to heal and really... Uh, become peaceful, more needs to happen. Definitely, because people can stay in that uh, anger for so long instead of moving past it. Yeah, and it can feel really empowering, you know, because anger has energy, but it's still negative energy and not... I mean, it is better than being pathetic and lethargic, you know, depressed. But like I said, you know, if you really want to have your dream life, so to speak, it's not... It's not... um, It can help you for a short while, but then it's not not a sustaining energy that will help you create a beautiful life. Exactly, exactly. There's justifiable anger, which um, alerts us. It can be a catalyst. Yeah, catalyst alerts us to the fact that we need to make change in our lives. There's different forms of that. Exactly. Uh, But you're right, that we have to move past that. So on that note, what is your take on catharsis or cathartic healing? Yeah, so along those lines, you know, cathartic healing can feel really good because you feel like you're getting in touch with these suppressed emotions and you're getting your anger out or you're getting these feelings that you've denied yourself or suppressed out of your system. You might also feel like you're finally voicing and saying what you need to say. But in terms of your nervous system, which when trauma happens, the nervous system actually gets negatively impacted. So it's not just a psychological problem uh, when trauma happens. And so... 
the nervous system actually doesn't benefit from cathartic healing because it just basically reinforces the trauma. So it, it, it almost cements the trauma even, even further into your nervous system. Mm-hmm. And so you're just staying stuck in a in a loop of overreaction, fight or flight, and so forth. And um, so it's not it's not beneficial. Essentially, it can feel you know it could feel somewhat beneficial at first, but a lot of people who mm-hmm. have gone through cathartic healing will you know um, confirm that you feel good the next couple of days, and then nothing has really changed. Right. Exactly. Exactly. And um, yeah, it's. It's interesting how when you go through the healing processes, you know, there's different types and that. And that's amazing that you went, you know, became a naturopathic doctor. And um, I respect that, by the way. That's a lot of schooling and a lot of mind, body, and spirit. Yes. It is. It's a lot. It's a lot. Um, it really yeah. is. But um, I give you yeah, credit. Yeah, I'm like in... Yeah, unlike in like in medical in you know, medical school, you study biochemistry, then you take a test, and then you study anatomy, and then you take a test. You know, every like semester or something. Uh, when you yeah. become a naturopathic doctor, you have to know everything, and they can test you on all different subjects. And you know, you just have one, you have one one couple of days where you're being um, where you do your, your finals, mm-hmm. and it could be from all kinds of you know, it could be biochemistry, it could be the heart, it could be a diagnosis, it could be anything. So you. <laughs> It was a lot of work. <laughs> yes. Yeah, yeah, but yeah. you know what? That uh, That's great that you took that on and you learned. I, I went to a naturopathic doctor when I was in my um, late teens, early 20s, and he uh, saved my life. So that's why I have a great respect, nice. and I'm into more naturopathic energy, obviously because I do energy work, so it just it's better yeah. to do the mind, body, spirit than just treat the anatomy or the symptoms. So Exactly, it's, yeah. What is the most crucial first step when it comes to healing from sexual abuse? And I have a lot of clients that call me about this. So what is your take on that? What is the first step? The first step, in my opinion, is really to realize that you're not broken, right? Because it can feel like so detrimental. It can feel like, oh, you know, I'll never, never get over this. Um, I'm always going to have this lot in life. I'm always going to feel damaged. And um, that is not so. There's things that we can do. Most people don't know that when trauma happens, no matter, you know, we're talking about sexual trauma today, but any kind of trauma, we think it's a psychological issue, and that's what we've been taught, you know, a mental health issue. And it's actually much more a physical, nervous system impact issue. And for for most people that I talk to, that's really freeing to hear, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. because it's like, okay, you know, it's my body. I can work with my body, you know. When When we're trying to work with our psyche, it feels like, never ending you know but yes. with the body for some reason it feels much more practical and it is much more practical mm-hmm. and um much much more tangible too and much less scary it is it is like i said healing is mind body and spirit not just the physical and you like you mentioned the mental layer either it's all of it it's definitely all of it and my next question is, how can survivors stop feeling damaged or broken by the abuse? Because for years when I was mentally abused, I felt like I was damaged goods. Sexual abuse, I'm sure, yeah. is even worse. Yeah. Well, one of the things is to realize, you know, that you're not broken. So basically the way I look at it is that we have a body, we have a soul, and we have a spirit. Yes. And when when abuse happens, so the soul, in my, in my worldview, the soul is kind of what holds the spirit and the body together. And it's kind of like the connection, the connection between the physical and the spiritual. And so when abuse or trauma happens, 
um, the connection between the soul and the body gets severed. And so that's why we feel broken. Mm-hmm. And so a lot of the work that I do with people is helping them basically mend that connection between the soul, helping your soul and your spirit to reconnect to your body. It's never gone. It's just that, you know, it's disconnected. And mm-hmm. um, you can, you can, people can do a lot of this work by learning different techniques that will help them be in their bodies and become present and um, use their senses, for example, because our soul, you know, our soul has to do with experiencing life and, and experiencing it through our senses. And so one of the ways that I feel myself and help people is to really use pleasure as a path, and not necessarily sexual pleasure, but just the, the, the mere pleasure of being a physical being that can do things like um, feel the sand under your feet or eat a piece of chocolate, you know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Those things have all to do with using our senses. And so I have found that when we use our senses and allow ourselves to start feeling the pleasure that our senses give us in our body, mm-hmm. that's part of how we mend the disconnection and how we can start healing. So it has nothing to do with, you know, forgiving or reprogramming or um, processing or understanding, right? It has nothing to do with mm-hmm. any kind of mental capacity. It really has to do with being in your body and experiencing and feeling. And when you do that, you do mend the nervous system. That is very true because we do. I've heard of people, I've never been sexually abused myself, but how they can disconnect from their body and um, mm-hmm. almost hate themselves in the way. So that's that's the beginning. People think it's like so complicated, but it isn't. I think it's very simple. No, it isn't. Yeah. What is the one of the main uh, blocks to healing? In your I opinion, think the ma- one of the main blo- yeah one of the main blocks is people thinking, especially with sexual sexual abuse, people think they have to relive the trauma in order to move mm-hmm. on. So the 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 analogy or the image I like to give to people is: imagine your body is a house. And imagine that lightning strikes the house and the, the house wasn't correctly wired. And so when the lightning strikes the house, house you know, some of the wires will um, just m- melt. Um, some parts of the house will start burning. Um, some will just, um, you know, some circuits will just completely break down and so forth. And then after that has happened, the, the energy and the power in the house cannot flow the, the way it was before. And it also, the appliances and the things in the house will not work the way they were before. Mm. And so it's very similar with your body. When trauma happens, it's, it's a charge that's too big for your electrical wire, you know, to handle. Um, mm-hmm. and, and it literally burns down and breaks down your circuits in your body. Now, if we stayed with the house, you know, in order to, to fix those places in the house, you know, the house wouldn't have to re-experience the lightning, mm-hmm. Right. You would right. just basically need to find the ways where, you know, the light doesn't turn on and then you follow the cable and then you find where, you know, that the cable's melted or something. And so it's mm-hmm. the same with your physical body. Um, it's really just about learning what it feels, what these broken down or melted down uh, places in your energy system feel like. Mm-hmm. And then through our care and our love and attention, we meant, we meant them. So it's not absolutely not necessary to to go back and relive the trauma, right? And so I think a big, like coming back to your question, a big block yeah. for people is thinking that they have to and just being afraid and therefore just never going there. Yeah, I know. I've I've dealt with uh, 
inner child work and just dealing with um, the psychological abuse I experienced. So reliving that wasn't mm-hmm. the greatest thing for my inner child, I'll tell you that. <laughs> I don't know yeah. if I, would, I yeah. would go there anymore. And it's really, and, it, and it's not necessary for healing, you know. A no, it is. don't know this. Yeah. Speaking of uh, your nervous system, how can people here they'll heal their nervous system? Because obviously, you're, like you say, they, uh, the lightning, you know, frays the um, the nervous system. That lightning is like fraying mm-hmm. that, um, like ner- the electrical system of the house. How can people heal their nervous system? Um, through learning simple um, body-centered practices. Okay. Um, you know, and using their senses. And then I, I do actually have one that takes a little longer, but if people go to, you know, I'm sure you'll um, mention my website, but there's a free gift on the website that will teach people how to do it. Okay. And in, in a very simple way, though, it really is about um, when a trigger happens, instead of going into the reaction, going into the fear or going into, you know, our behavior, Mm-hmm. Let's say, you know, um, somebody says something and we feel scared and we just, our normal reaction would be to just disconnect and leave the conversation, for example. Mm-hmm. Then in or, instead of basically reacting to the trigger and going into our behavior, um, the idea is to start feeling the trigger. You know, we might still have to leave the room, but then we would stay with the trigger and allow ourselves to feel it. And by feeling it, basically we're starting to integrate it. And, and sometimes I like to give the picture of when trauma happens, it's almost like you have been given a, a way to, to big bite to eat or way too greasy, something that your stomach just can't digest at once and you can feel it and you're, you, know, you, 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 you do all kinds of things to not feel it because you don't want um, your life to be dictated by it. But the only way to actually make it go away is by putting your attention on it, feeling it, and then bit by bit, literally metabolizing, you know, it, and when I'm saying it, it's the trigger, right? It could be mm-hmm. a knot in your stomach. It could be you're trembling. It could be, you know, you're holding your breath. It could be you're completely blanking and you not know, being able to to sink in. So there's all kinds of physical sensations that go with that. And if we just stay with our attention on the physical sensation, and the physical sensation gives us the location of where the energy is stuck or where the system has broken down, and then by putting our attention on it, that that attention is mending, seems to be mending um, that part of your system and, and making it so that energy can flow again. And so for me, doing this is a, is a daily practice and I do it all the time, right? I've, I've, I've practiced it so much now that whenever there's just a slight feeling of um, disharmony, Instead mm-hmm. of me trying to figure it out with the person, you know, if, I'm, if I was talking to you and all of a sudden I would start to feel uneasy, rather than trying to figure it out with you and process my feelings and, you know, or like drink coffee or do whatever, I would just turn my attention inward and put my attention on that feeling. And then it mm-hmm. shifts very quickly normally. So it's almost like a, a constant energy hygiene that I do. And for me, that practice, you know, has resulted in transforming my life completely because um, five years ago I had a complete physical breakdown. You know, my life was okay, but I was struggling um, in relationship. I was married to somebody who wasn't the love of my life. Um, mm-hmm. You know, we had a good relationship, but it was just not, not you know, not the, the thing. And mm-hmm. um, we were going to bankruptcy and I had, had we had had a second child and he wasn't sleeping and, 
and I wasn't living my purpose while I was still time home doing the dishes and doing diapers and so I just mm. had a complete physical breakdown and um, realized all these things I'm sharing with you today, you know, about the energy and really en- learning to manage your own energy. And within three years, my life transformed completely, you know, to the extent of being with my soulmate, having, having, I've never made any money before, before that point, and since then having sold um, close to a million dollars in my services, owning mm-hmm. a house in the Caribbean. I mean, like, you know, I'm not just talking... I feel better, but there's very tangible different results in my life now because of this practice. And the reason why that is is because everything that we want is already here. Mm-hmm. You know, you feeling good and having the relationship that you want and all of that. And the only reason why we don't have it is because we're, we're vibrationally and energetically not a match. And especially if we've gone through trauma or anything bad in our life, um, the, the negative energy and emotion that's still stuck in us um, from those experiences is, is what's weighing us down, right? So it's not so much about repatterning ourselves and working on ourselves. It's really more about transforming this negative energy that's still stuck in our physical body, in our mm-hmm. cells, in our nervous system, and t- transforming it into a positive one, and then your life could change, you know, very quickly and dramatically, like mine has. Hmm. Okay, yes, we're all survivors, definitely. We're yeah. all not yeah. only uh, surviving but thriving. And living our lives yeah. the way we should be, definitely. Yeah. yeah. This is a common question that I get from my clients. Um, how can men, how can women feel safe with men again? Because if they've been sexually abused, how do they feel safe again, Carolyn? That's a great question. and actually goes back again to the nervous system. Right? The, the brain is part of our nervous system, and there is different parts to our brain. And uh, the one that gets impacted the most when trauma happens is the reptilian brain, which is kind of like the, the first part of the brain, the lowest part of the brain um, at the bottom mm-hmm. of our brainstem, right, where the where the neck kind of goes into our body, where all the nerves go into the periphery or come back into the brain. And so any information from the outside comes there first. And so it's kind of the brain that makes the decision whether something is safe for us or not. Mm. Now, if we when and if we've gone through trauma, that that part of our brain gets put into charge more than in an, in a normal person. Meaning that, you know, even though you might be encountering situations that are perfectly fine, mm-hmm. this this part of the brain now is in charge and, and making decisions and seeing everything basically because this this part is more in charge. We're starting to see everything as not safe and everything as a threat. Because this this, this 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 brain is its job is to keep us um, safe and it keep and in surviving. Right? Mm-hmm. It's it's a part of the brain that's very old and it's connected to us um, surviving. But it's not the part where we can make good decisions or you know be in our genius or think logically, right? Mm-hmm. And so uh, the the problem when trauma happens is that you no longer or you have less access to these higher parts of your brain that would help you be more resourceful, that would help you make better choices. Mm-hmm. And so in order to feel safe, you need to learn to help this part, the, the reptilian brain part of your brain, to calm down because then, you know, once you, and, and again, it, 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 you can do that through breathing. There's many different ways that you can help your, your reptilian brain to switch off and not be on the whole time because mm-hmm. you're literally a different person. You know, and, and it happens so fast and 
it, it takes a little practice, you know, and it takes learning your triggers and it takes, takes um, knowing yourself and knowing when, you know, you can feel it coming on and there's ways where you can catch it and stop yourself before it kicks in so that you can actually stay in a resource and peaceful state. And so to feel safe, it's really learning what you need to do to stay in a relaxed, basically, in a relaxed state. Hmm. And then when you can do that, then you then you can be connected to your intuition, and your intuition will always keep you safe. Mm-hmm. Yes, it will. Is connected to everything. Yes, yeah. it, yes, it will. I, I totally believe in that. That's so true. It takes a while to rewire the brain. I've been through that, <laughs> but you can do it. Mm-hmm. It's, and that's that's it, the work. Yeah. It, it's a lot of. It is a work, but it, once you get through it, you're yeah. you're cool. You're actually your life does get better. What makes a woman susceptible to sexual abuse? Uh, my theory is that because of, you know, thousands of years of being independent and um, having to do anything basically to survive, right, we had to do, like, if we were dependent on a man, you know, if the man was the economic provider and we were dependent on his providing for us, then in the past, you know, we did whatever we had to do. Mm-hmm. And so I think that is very deeply ingrained in us still, even though we're, you know, in 2018 now, um, this feeling of we just have to do whatever to survive, right? Mm-hmm. Even though it's not really true, we don't have to do the things. And so oftentimes I think that we don't realize that we could actually say no or we could, you know, we could we could speak up um, and so... My theory is that that's what makes us most susceptible to then, um, you know, ending up in a situation that we don't want to be in mm-hmm. or mm-hmm. that's, you know, detrimental to us. Yes, uh, you got to know you have triggers, though, and that's part of the battle, too, is becoming aware of those triggers and mm-hmm. and those mm-hmm. roles that we have. So. As you talk about in in the intro, ancestral healing—that's another thing <laughs> that people. Yeah, I think yeah. I mean, oftentimes, you know, these patterns are passed on the way we behave. You know, as long we, you know, I haven't experienced. Um, nobody forced me to do anything in my life, and yet, you know, for a long time, I said yes to everything that anybody wanted from me, just because I was mm-hmm. afraid something bad was going to happen if I didn't. You know, and I couldn't explain where that was coming from, other than. That is really deeply ingrained in our DNA, and um, you know the way the women behaved in our lineage um, gets passed down through the you know through through the generations. Mm-hmm. And men, oh, the way men and women behave. Oh yeah, they do. Oh yeah, they do. Yeah, I know. When I start looking at my family, the women, in my family, the, the heritage, I'm like, wow, man, <laughs> I gotta change some of this. Mm-hmm. I don't want to go there anymore. And um, like I said, though, it's uh, it's awareness. It really is. Yeah. What what role does personal responsibility play when it comes to healing? That's a good question. It's actually um, usually the most controversial point because for a lot of people, when they hear responsibility, they think that what I mean is um, saying that it's partly their fault, right? It's... it's mm-hmm. um, yeah, and that's that's not what I'm saying at all. When I talk about responsibility, it's more like we are responsible responsible um, to do something with our life, right? Like mm-hmm. we we can either stay in a victim relationship and say 
hey, you know, this happened to me and therefore um, I'll never be in my power and I'll just never be able to get over it and and um, I'm going to be damaged. Or we can say, okay, this happened to me and I still wanted, I want to um, still create an amazing life, right? That's, that's where the responsibility part comes from and it's, it's hard, you know, yes. for a lot of people because it does feel very righteously so that somebody did something to you and it's their fault and, um, you know, they should do something or, you know, it shouldn't have happened, all those things. But the problem with those kinds of thoughts is that they don't help us to get better, you know. Right. Yeah. They don't really help us. No, they don't. And um, it's what a friend of mine used to say, you could be a victim or a victor. You're going to be a victory over mm-hmm. your situation or you'll be a victim. And sometimes, too, like I said, with the ancestral situation, isn't sexual abuse, from my understanding, um, carried down, passed down generationally as well? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, often it's, you know, the people that, that do it have been abused themselves, you know. It's, it's a yeah. well, well-known fact. And it's really not so much about sex. It's really about power and feeling powerless. And then, you know, if somebody did that to you, you felt powerless. And now when you're growing up, you know, in order for you to feel powerful, then you need somebody younger usually to, that you can overpower. So, mm-hmm. Yeah, that's true. That's very true. Why are sexual abuse survivors at a disadvantage in life, in your opinion? It's because of what happens with the brain, right? Because Yep. Um, once you've gone through trauma and your brain is more in fight or flight, you're having a harder time to be resourceful, to be in your genius, to be a productive member of society because you can't use your brain as well as other people can. You know, it is a, it's a kind of a disability, actually, physically. Mm-hmm. And luckily it can be reversed. You know, it's not like um, losing an arm or a leg, but it is, um, yeah. Yeah. Anything can be reversed, in my opinion, but <laughs> you got to want to go there yeah. before and believe that. Yes. Some people don't. Yeah. Some people don't want to go there. So let us tell us about your book, Blossom. I like the name Blossom. Yeah, it's, I was driving one day. I knew I was going to write a book, and um, the, just I just saw the cover and the word Blossom, and I didn't quite know, you know what the book was about or how it's going to come to pass, but then working with it and going through the journey with the women, it actually turned out it's a, a seven-step process, and every letter of the word blossom stands for one of the steps. So mm-hmm. The first step is B, bring your mind on board. It has to do with um, dealing with resistance, because anytime we want to change something, um, if we don't face our resistance, usually our resistance will kick in and keep us from making any kind of changes. And it looks really very logical and, you know, um, it's it's very clever how our subconscious wants to keep us where we are mm-hmm. because where we are is known and where we, you know, what's known is safe. And um, while safety is a good goal in life, it's not necessarily one that makes you happy over the long term. You know, obviously everybody should be safe in life, but um, joy and peace and love would be a better aim in life than just being safe. Um, anyway, so we, we'll deal, we deal with just understanding that that happens and what to do when it happens right up front. And then the second step is called Land within your emotions, um, really learning what you know, learning what feeling feels like, and so forth. Because we do need our body as a, you know, as the healing instrument, basically. And if you're not in your body, and if you don't know how to play the instrument or how to use it, uh-huh. um, it's no good, you know. And so, 
So it's a gradual, the whole book and the whole, it's a, it's a seven week course and there's exercises for every day and guided meditations mm-hmm. and so forth, downloadable things. The whole journey is geared towards helping you re-enter your body in a gentle way and, and using your body as a t- tool for healing and then obviously transforming your negative experiences and energy into positive ones. And so the, the third step has to do with learning what your intuition feels like, um, really locking it in and learning to trust it and starting to practice making decisions based on your intuition and seeing um, the, the changes in your life, which is exciting. Mm-hmm. And then the fourth step is about seeing with the eyes of truth. That's really the step where um, people are encouraged to take responsibility and, and get to a place where, yes, you know, of, yes, this happened to me, and um, how can I move forward? What's the gift in what happened? Right? So oftentimes mm-hmm. that's actually the most challenging um, mm-hmm. step yes. for a lot of people. Yes. Yeah, and then the, four, the fifth step is um, stretching beyond mm-hmm. your limits and that's when people actually learn how to do the emotional integration work, the energetic integration work. Step six is own all of who you are, really learning about feminine and masculine energy, which we all have. And um, in my own journey, it's been, and still to this day, this is one of my my ongoing work, is to really learn about the feminine and the masculine within myself and also in relationships. Because mm-hmm. um, so far... <laughs> I'm, I'm in my second marriage, right? Um, mm-hmm. What I can say is that when I when I am really clear about being in my own energy and um, n- n- using the masculine energy for when I need it, but being predominantly in the feminine energy, also when I'm communicating with the opposite sex, it brings much more peace to my relationships than with everybody. Than mm-hmm. if it's not so, and so there's a lot of explore and to learn and it's very practical again because it's about our day-to-day interaction with people which can either make our life miserable or you know paradise basically mm-hmm. and then um, the seven the seventh step is just a con- continuation of that it's called meet the world and your beloved and wholeness and it's really about taking what you've learned into the world and applying it so that you can really see changes in 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 your um, reality materialized reality yeah Wow, that's great. That's great. That's that's what it's all about, isn't it? <laughs> Taking yeah. her, going yeah. through, going through, feeling it to heal it. As I, you know, as it's been brought to my exactly. attention. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Yep. Yeah. That's one yep. of the things that I'm teaching too. That's yep. that's uh, that's important. Okay, what is pleasure intelligence? This is interesting. That's fun. Yeah. <laughs> pleasure intelligence. So when I, <laughs> when I had my complete breakdown, I realized that, well, first of all, I had my complete breakdown. I literally left my body and was catapulted out of my body and um, thought I, I was kind of done, but then I was sent back into my body. And okay. with kind of the, the words, you know, Carolyn, your work isn't done here. Um, Start really making decisions based on what feels good to you. Like, be really radical about making decisions, self-sacrificing yourself, and see what, you know, how your life looks in a little while. And so I had nothing to lose at that point, and I started practicing this, and then later calling it really developing pleasure intelligence and uh, pleasure IQ. Um, but the gist of it is really learning a new kind of intelligence, which is based on um, navigating your life based on what feels good to you, like the idea is that we're all connected to everything that we want, 
And the way we navigate ourselves towards having it is by making decisions that feel right. It's almost like, you know, the the, the bread the universe has already laid out the breadcrumbs and we have to just pick them up and fall on the breadcrumbs are our feelings of like, yes, this you know, yes, that's what I want. Yes, this feels mm-hmm. right to me. Even if mm-hmm. it's things that are scary or you know, or things that require big decisions. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Okay. What are the two necessary things to manifest that we want in life? So what are the two necessary things that we want to manifest in our lives? First of all, is really learning how to get yourself into a harmonious, energetic space. And we partly do that by learning about the feminine and the masculine, and also by releasing, you know, negative emotions. And then the second um, thing that's required is to allow ourselves to know what we truly want. So, you know, a lot of people stop themselves because they don't know how they could have something. Mm-hmm. Our job is just to know, yes, I do like chocolate. Yes, I want to move to the Caribbean. Yes, I like warm weather, <laughs> you know, like to know what we truly want. And yes. then let the universe do that. Okay, this is how you're going to live in the Caribbean or you know, this is how you're going to get the chocolate apart. Well, that's how I did uh, three, year, three, four years ago now. I moved from New York to Florida. So I was like, yes, I want to move in a warm climate yes. where there's sun every day. I yes, know. This is what know. I want. Yeah, definitely. What are the four steps of the Pleasure IQ system? So one of the first steps, or the first step is to release shame and guilt because shame and guilt as we talked about in the beginning, are really the most detrimental energy patterns or energies that we can carry and be exposed to or be living in. There, you know, in a, there's a scale of consciousness that David, Dr. David Hawkins, um, kind of developed. Oh yes, and it's measurable. Mm-hmm. And um, shame and guilt are around 20 to 30. Courage is 200. Courage, courage is when start when things start going good and being life-affirming. Mm-hmm. Right, so the okay. first step is really getting out of those low vibrational frequencies. Okay. So speaking of and that... Then, um, yeah, go, go ahead. ahead. Um, how did you meet your uh, current mate, Paul? Um, he actually found me on Match.com. I had put up a picture and... You know, not had had not didn't have a lot of energy to pursue it because I was really busy working. And I did my energy work, and I really um, was very clear that what was required was meeting my soulmate at this point, and not anybody less. Uh-huh. And uh, I had I had been um, courageous. You know, it takes courage, right? So I had been courageous, and I had said on Math.com that I'm looking for my divine partner. And obviously, part of me was thinking, Oh my God, you know, people are, you know, which guy is going to reach out to me? Everybody's just going to think she's cuckoo. You know, that was a big part of me, but I, I did it anyways because for me that was my truth. I wanted my divine partner. Right. And and then sure enough, you know, I didn't get I didn't get very many. I, I got two um, inquiries, I think, and one of them was an older guy and then the other one was Paul. And he responded back to me uh, because of the, I had my, you know, I wanted my divine partner in my title. And his first message to me was, um, I think you're very interesting, and I think it's very interesting that you think that a partner could be be divine. I'm I'm intrigued, you know. So that caught his eye, and 
Um, so that's why it's so important for us to be really honest about what we truly want, mm-hmm. right? because otherwise the universe can't deliver. That is very true, very true, because that's where I'm at right now. I just want my divine partner. I don't want these losers or guys going fly-by-nights. I want the real deal. That's it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, so for me, you know, once that was really clear, um, mm-hmm. He came within like a week, you know. Mhm. So yeah, it's just our inner boundaries, you know, that create movement. Mhm. Yeah, it definitely, definitely. How does energy come into play when it comes to healing? So in my world, everything is connected to energy, right? And it's just about us. You know, there's nothing broken with us. It's just about us changing our state basically and so for me healing really has doesn't have to do with fixing anything it just has to do with you learning about different energy states and learning tools that will help you um up level yours basically or me you know us up level ours okay okay that's true everything's about energy and people don't understand that well that's why i have the show we can so i can educate people on Mm -hmm. that you know it's all about energy. Mm-hmm. It really is. What are some of the energetic spiritual laws you work with? Your um, law so of attraction. Of called, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I mean, the law of attraction is one that just does like attract like. So if you're in a higher state, you know, you attract better things, basically. Um, another one is the law of vibration, which just states everything has a certain vibration, and there's lower vibrational frequencies and higher vibrational frequencies, which we talked about. Mm-hmm. Um, the higher vibrational frequencies feel better to us if you like love, abundance, joy and also when you are in a, in a state of a higher vibration um, your life looks differently because um, like attracts like right? and, and so if you feel really amazing chances are your life will go into an amazing direction and um, if you feel really bad usually uh, you know life keeps getting being frustrated or things like that Mm-hmm. And then another law that was really, um, really like life-changing for me, understanding it and seeing it really work, is the law of polarity, which basically states that nothing in the universe was created a house. Everything in the universe is created as a whole, which means that a left is created with a, you know, there's no left without a right, there's no up without a down, and there's also no desire without its fulfillment. And for me, that, you know, that was, I mean, I kept giving it lip service for a long time. You know, I kept hearing this and I kept hearing, oh, you know, what you want wants you. And, you know, mm-hmm. which is another way of saying that every, nothing was created half. But then when I met Paul, um, it sang, it really sank in how this is true because for us, we're such a match. And we've both been looking for 20 years and he wasn't even married. You know, I've gone through this relationship where... I was married for eight years, but not really in love, and always looking for this other person. And people kept telling me, you know, therapists, oh, you know, you're just looking because you're restless and you're just not in love, you're not loving yourself enough, and blah, 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 blah. And I bought into that, and personally, that's why it took so long for us to meet. But then once we met, um, you know, he was definitely looking for me, and I was definitely looking exactly for him. Like, there's no doubt, because... Um, so, you know, we, we were already, our partnership was already created. That's why we've been looking and looking and looking until we find each other. So for me, um, I have a, 
it's no longer lip service, you know, to know that everything in the universe is created whole, you know. And mm -hmm. if you have a desire for something, that desire is here because the other thing is seeking you right now, you know, whether it's money or a car or health or it doesn't matter. Because by this law, by virtue of this law, this thing is here and looking for you just the same as you're looking for it. It wants you just as much as you want it. That's very true. That's very true. Yeah. How can we overcome negative subconscious programming? This is an interesting question. What's your take on that? Because <laughs> I've been working on this all my life. Yeah. Yeah, by really just focusing on the energy work and getting out of trying to work on yourself and understanding energy and learning things that make you feel better and make you be at a higher vibrational state because um, the reason why we go into negative, in the resonance with negative, the patterns aren't actually ours. You know, we're just vibrating at a lower frequency and then we go into um, resonance with low vibrational patterns. So um, the same way, if we, are, if we feel better and start being at a high vibration, we get in, mm -hmm. we get in resonance with higher vibrational patterns. These patterns that we think are our patterns, they're not personal. They're collective patterns that we basically sink into based on our um, vibration, right? We start, that's right. the law of attraction. We start resonating at a certain level, and then the thoughts and the feelings, and they're all in connection with these fields that are around us, energetic fields, and we think they're ours, and then we keep working and working on ourselves when all we really need to do is just learn how to feel better and get a higher vibration. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's definitely true. I agree with that. So that's for sure. What are some specific steps people can take to heal from sexual trauma? Where can they begin if they're just starting their journey? Yeah. So I would send them to my website, which is womeninthefloor.com, and on there, if there's two things. One of them will teach them how to feel their true yes and no, so they can know what their intuition is really teaching them or telling them so they can feel safe and start helping their brain calm down, which we talked about. And then the other one is the recording on how to do the actual mending of the nervous system, um, using your body and finding the triggers and um, putting your attention on it and, and transforming the negative imprint into positive positivity, so to speak. Mm -hmm. Yep, yep, that's that's very true. That's It's all about imprints and, and taking care of that. Gosh, I've been through a lot of healing work. <laughs> it all comes back. What is one of the most effective modalities when it comes to healing sexual trauma? So there's Reiki, there's integrated energy therapy, there's myofascial release. What is, your, in your opinion, what is your the most effective modality? To me, it's family constellations. You know, which is a form of okay. energy work, and it's usually done in a group, and it's it's very fast and very effective, and um, you know, there's obviously because you're in your body, there's a lot that you can do for yourself. And then there's times where we need somebody, you know, an outside person to help us. And then I still use family constellations and, you know, go to other people when I'm really stuck and when I don't know, you know, how to get myself to the next level. So tell us more about family constellations. Um, Family Constellations was developed by an Austrian named Bert Hellinger, and he observed um, a minister. Uh, he was a minister and a, and a psychotherapist, and he observed the Sulu tribes that he was um, ministering to um, during ritual. When, when a person was sick or when somebody did something, 
they didn't work with the individual, they worked with the entire tribe, so to speak. And so he realized that we're all connected to a system and that usually when we don't feel good, it's not just because of us, but it's really because we carry something for our ancestors. So it, it, it works a lot with um, revealing which ancestral pattern is responsible for the way you know, you're suffering or behaving in this lifetime that's not helping you. That's interesting. I like that. Let's have to look into that. Mm-hmm. That sounds very interesting. Yeah, it's very powerful. Yeah, it is. It is. What can people do if they don't have memories of the abuse? Maybe they suspect it, but they can't remember it. What's your, opinion, what's your advice to them? Um, it's really not necessary because, you know, you still feel that, that, like, you're still in your house and you're still feeling the trigger. So it's all we need in order to heal is working with the symptoms. And um, if you go into hyperarousal anytime, you know, there's sex in, in or, you know, um, anything threatening around you, you you can be assured that something happened to you. You don't need to know what it was. We just need to work with your nervous system and help your nervous system to relax, basically. Mm-hmm. What are some of the resources that you have, and where can people find them? So they're on Women in the Flow, and Blossom the Book is one resource. I also have a Facebook group called Women in the Flow. If you go to my website, womeninthefloor.com, you can find a link to the to the web, to the group, the Facebook group. Um, I do daily energy work in there, and um, and you can ask me questions, so that's a really good place to get started. And then I do also, I have online courses, I do retreats. Um, if somebody wants to really, you know, go on a deep journey and go away with me in a group, one of my favorite things to do is to take people to beautiful places and dive deep with them over three, four days, five days. Um, those are some of the resources. I have um, tons of YouTube videos. and But the best way is really to just go to my website and download the free gifts and then come to the group and start exploring. And what is the most important thing you want our listeners to take away from this interview? Um, you know, most people feel powerless most of their lives. And what I've come to believe is that we or come to uh, understand is we don't have power over other people. We don't have power over our circumstances most of the time. But we do have power over our own, over our own energetic state. And so to keep remembering that when you're feeling bad, when things aren't working, keep remembering it's all about your energy and you do have power over um, your own energetic state. It might take a little while, you know, if you've been subjected to a lot of um, bad things, it might take you a little while to detox and feel better, but you have the power to do that work. You know, there's nobody that can take that from you. And once again, where can people find you, Carolyn? It's womeninthefloor.com. Excellent. Well, thank you for this interview. This was very enlightening. I'm glad you wrote this book, and I feel it's going to help a lot of people. So thank you for coming on today. I appreciate it. I really do. Thank you so much for having me. And this is Amy Toy for Angel Answers with Amy Toy. Join us next week for another enlightening guest. May the angels carry you through. Take care. <laughs> 